0: Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So uh, also be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at Sports Infocast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of SIDcast. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Um, I know that all your seasons are winding down. All of your seasons are, uh, pretty much almost over. I know a lot of you, especially some of my uh, guests coming up, uh, have to do with some postseason stuff. That's not all a bad thing. Uh, just keep her going. Keep your head down. Keep grinding. The summer's going to be worth it, and, and you and I both know that. Um, today, we have David Petroff on from Genius Sports, and if that name sounds familiar for you, it's because he was at Edgewood for 11 years, which is a Division III school in Madison, Wisconsin area. Uh, David has spent a lot of time. He was a, he was a uh, coach. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the transition from coaching, maybe how coaching helped him in his job and in his new job now, Um, even talk about the life stuff that came with coaching, that moment where he knew that he didn't quite want to be in coaching anymore, Um, how to align some family goals, family life stuff with your spouse, your significant other, whoever it is. Um, We talk about some of the hard stuff today, guys, and um, the conversations that you, I mean, a lot of people don't want to have, but you have to have. So we'll talk about that. Another one thing that – I was really excited for, for this episode is David, uh, we all just wrapped up a, a big year with genius sports. And some of you might've used it, Some of you might not have used it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the reception that genius sports got. We'll talk about, um, what's coming, moving forward for that basketball program specifically something that I think you guys are really going to like that substitution what they what what they got going on over there at Genius, and then we'll talk about um, the implementation of soccer and volleyball coming to uh, the NCAA next season. Uh, how you guys can test it out at Cosida, that and so much more, guys. Really excited. One thing I need you to do before we jump into today's episode, because I'm gonna keep this intro short and sweet, is um I need you to go over to sidcast.fireside.fm. Dot, uh, yeah. .fm slash newsletter. And you sign up for our newsletter. It's about three questions. Uh, be sure to do that. You will get all of the SIDCast information, everything we got going on, straight to your inbox. Uh, make sure that you check. I know a lot of people um, might be going to your spam. So if you want to check your spam a little bit, because I know that these outlooks and stuffs are really starting to look down upon some generalized things that Gmail has been sending out. And I do use a Gmail account. So make sure you check over there. Um, Anyway, guys, let's start off today. Episode 120. We are almost, you know, we we just hit 100. God, it feels like the other day. And now we're almost a quarter of the way through to 200. So uh, anyway, I'm I'm just blown away let's just get into today episode 120 of sidcast of david petroff formerly of the edgewood eagles now of the genius sports software company uh, and his very first taste of sports information right here on sidcast
1: sure well i started um uh I was at UW Stevens Point uh with a coaching job it was my original uh my original gig. I uh I was assistant women's basketball coach at UW Stevens Point. And when I started there in '97, it was a uh, it was a part-time job. Uh it was only about uh it was 65% of a full time. And so so it was it, it was okay, but I was always looking for, you know, more to do and, and more things. And so one thing that, um, one thing that they didn't have, they didn't have an athletic website. This is 97, so it's like the dark ages. Um, so they uh, they didn't have an athletic website. Um, what they had was they had server space assigned to it. Uh, there was a chemistry, um, a, a woman who worked in the, as the administrative assistant in the chemistry department who was a big hockey fan. And she had made a fan site in that space. Um, but they had no official site and, and her fan site only covered hockey. Um, and, but they had no site. So I started to play around in that space, making a women's basketball page, um, just real basic. And I'm using Microsoft front page. Um, so really, really, uh, early days web design. Um, and, uh, and I started, you know, just a schedule and a roster and, and I could, I figured out I could put up some statistics and, and uh um and I just had some basic info there um so after my first year working part-time i i i went to the uh i went to our athletic director and i said hey like i'm kind of getting a hang of this and i think i could do more if you wanted me to start doing pages for other for the other sports um you know and i think we could do this but i'd you know but again i'd like you know some uh <laughs> some, some help financially to, to, to do that. This would be, I was looking for a way to, to, to show my value uh-huh. here. And, um and he, he agreed. He liked the idea. And so he added, in addition to my, my 65% job, he added a stipend. My second year, my stipend was to start creating these web pages. And so I did that. Uh, I made, you know, basic team web pages for everybody for all the sports and, you know, schedule, roster and basic info. That's it. Um, well, my third year at Point, uh, the head SID, Terry Owens, uh, left. Uh, he took an athletic director job at, at, at a local high school and Jim Strick came on. Jim uh, Strick had, uh, um, he had uh, worked at St. Norbert for a while. And so he came on uh, to be the full-time athletic director Uh, One of the reasons Terry left was Terry was a little burned out. And so the athletic director, Frank O'Brien at the time said, said, let's really give Jim some more support. And we have Dave here and he's got a 65% job. So they created a position for me that was 65% assistant women's basketball coach, 35% assistant SID supporting Jim. Um, And, uh, and that worked out great. Uh, I Mm -hmm. did uh, most of the website, uh, you know, by that time we it had started to. It was still very primitive, but it started to be a more comprehensive athletic department website. Um, and then I could also chip in uh, when I wasn't in, you know, the midst of basketball season. I chipped in with volleyball. I chipped in with baseball and softball, uh, soccer. I could help Jim out doing uh, statistics and covering events different ways. And so that was really my first time I was really doing sports information work. And, and Jim Strick uh, was a big part of that that, that got me started there. Um, and uh, that continued my time at Stevens, at Stevens Point. Uh, I was there eight years. We had great success with the women's basketball program. We went to, uh, went to two Final Fours and we won a national title. Um, so that was, that was exciting. But I was really looking for... Um, you know, I was looking for a chance to get a master's degree. Uh, I was starting to burn out once I had family, uh, once I, I had, my wife was with me, but then we, we had a child, uh, in 2002. And, and by 2006, I was a little, I was a little weary of the coaching grind, uh, you know, of, of the recruiting and the, um, and, and being away from home, uh-huh. you know, uh, night after night. And, um, and so we were looking for, uh, other options. And so we ended up moving to the twin cities, uh, because I, I could get a master's degree from the university of Minnesota. Um, and that worked out really great. So it was a master's degree in sports administration. I, I was able to get a job with the Gophers doing event management, uh, which was, to be honest, it was throwing drunk kids out of hockey games. Um, uh, but I, got but I got a lot of. But a lot of a lot of fun stories from from throwing drunk kids out of hockey games, <laughs> but um, we uh, uh, but uh, I spent a year there oh, yeah. doing that uh, while my wife taught. I spent another year after uh, after a year at Minnesota. I spent a year outside of athletics with the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, uh, doing organizing their bike tours. They had they have these large fundraising bike tours, raised you know three four million dollars a year. And I was, uh, in charge of a staff that was organizing all those bike Mm -hmm. tours. And that was a, that was a really big, uh, that was a really big job. Um, and then, you know, my wife and I were talking about, we, we were both university of Wisconsin graduates from Madison and we talked about the ability. We we both really kind of want to be back in the Madison area. My wife's family was, is near Madison. And, um, and so we started to talk about looking for jobs in that area and faster than we ever anticipated. My wife is a teacher. She found a teaching job near Madison. She applied, she got it, and pretty soon we were moving. I arrived in Madison without a job, and I was uh, fortunate that just at that time, Edgewood College's SID, uh, Luke Lenoble, had left to go to Marquette. And uh, and they were, so it was October so it was a weird time for a hire. It was a difficult time to to find an S.I.D. And so basically I camped my butt outside the office door at Edgewood College and waited until they interviewed me. Um, and uh, and uh, it worked out. I, I got the job and then uh, I ended up staying there uh, 11 years and it was it was great.
0: Let's go back. You kind of gave us the whole shebang a little <laughs> sure. bit here. So let's uh, kind of go back a little okay. bit to your sport background, like growing up. I mean, did you oh, always wow. want to be a coach? Uh, did yeah. you want to be sort of, uh,
1: I don't know, you you knew you wanted to be in the athletic yeah. space though, right? I want to be in the athletic space. And I knew that I, 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 I was, I played three sports in high school. Um, I was, I was a classic. I, I'm, I'm pretty good at all of them, but I'm not really great at any one of them. Um so I uh-huh. knew that I really didn't have a chance where I was gonna play college athletics uh, um, you know i i i probably if i would have focused more if i would have focused on a sport maybe there i, I could have played a low level division you know college division three or something like that but but um mm-hmm. i really i really wanted the big large university atmosphere and so that's why i gravitated toward University of Wisconsin. And clearly there was no chance I was playing a sport at University of Wisconsin. Um, uh, But uh, I was able to get a job as a team manager for the uh, Badgers men's basketball program. Um, Stu Jackson was the coach at the time. And I really wanted to, you know, I really kind of looked up to my coaches that I had in high school growing up. And I really wanted to, uh, I really wanted to get into coaching. Uh, And so uh, being a manager was great. I was on the court you know, daily was able to take a lot of notes, save practice plans, do all that kind of thing, and that really uh, that really helped me uh, um, get on that uh, get on that path. So I did. I was uh, at UW for four years, and I, I was the manager all four years. I was the I was one of the the lead managers my senior year, so that was great because now I got to travel on the road with the team and go to go to cool locations and and uh, and go to the NCAA tournament and that kind of thing. <laughs>
0: Guys, just real quick before we get back to today's episode, I want to tell you about our new show sponsor, Presto Sports. Presto Sports and New Blue recently announced a strategic partnership to launch an innovative new sports streaming solution. With a shared vision to support the video demands of college and university SIDs, Presto Sports and New Blue are making it possible for one person to run a full-scale sports production. You can learn more, guys, at prestosportscom slash SIDcast. Now let's get back to today's conversation. When you kind of moved on from the coaching realm into the sports yeah. information realm, maybe even early on, did you know a sports information director was, I mean, you kind of gave us yeah. the the website management, but
1: what was your experience like prior well, to that? When I was at UW, I spent, uh, you know, like I said, traveled a lot and I spent a lot of time around Justin Doherty. Justin Doherty was the University of Wisconsin men's basketball SID at the time. Now he's their, uh, now he's uh, assistant athletic director um, for external relations, but I spent a lot of time with Justin and I, I can't say I totally knew what Justin did. I knew he, he was the guy who communicated with the newspapers and the media. Um, uh, but I didn't really have a full, I really have a full sense of his job, but I, but I remember some bus trips and some plane trips where, you know, I got to chit chat with Justin, uh, about his job and, and it sounded, you know, and it sounded interesting at the time while it sounded interesting, I was still focused on coaching or going into coaching. So right. I wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, anything Justin said really, you know, said, Oh, maybe I should do this. Cause I, I, I really did want to coach. Um, it was really when I got to Steven's point that I started there, there came a point where I came to a realization that I, like I really, I loved being a coach, and I loved being a part of that. But I really kind of enjoyed the day to day work, the sports information work that I got to do, almost as much, or yeah. at some point maybe even a little more. Um, and that's when things that's when things started to change, and I started to uh, to to look at that um, to look at that differently.
0: What are some aspects of coaching that you've kind of taken away during your time as a coach to uh, your sports information office and even where where your job is now?
1: Well, I think it's really uh, moving from coaching to sports information. I think I retained the ability to really connect with student athletes. Um, you know, when you're coaching and you've got a team of 15 or 16 you really you spend so much time together you really have a the ability to connect on a on a on a deep personal level you know and so those you know some of those student athletes that i that i coached at seepest point are still people i i keep in touch with and and i and i like um you know and i feel that as a sports information director um I think you have to make a little more effort to, to make, to make those connections. You're not, especially in division three, division one, you might be embedded with a single team and you really, you know, can develop those close relationships, but in division three, you don't always have that opportunity. It's more, uh, so you really have to reach out a little further, make an effort to get to practices a little bit, make an effort to maybe, you know, if there's a, a team dinner or a team activity that there, that you can attend, you know, stop in there um, and, and, you know, and make that effort to see that, to, to see them and get to know them a lot harder when you have 200 plus student athletes and you're the only SID than it is when you have 15 and you're an assistant coach. But I think you can still make those connections. So I think that's something I took from coaching is is trying to make those personal connections to make that, uh, to make that the, to give that student athlete a connection to to you as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to know what it was like, kind of your first introduction being in a sports information office full time for you. I mean, was there anything that you had to kind of learn on the spot? Anything you didn't anticipate learning in that first year? Sure. Um,
1: you know, when I started at, at Edgewood, like I said, I picked up right at the end of the fall season. And, uh, actually my first day, my first day was, um, the weekend, the Monday following opening weekend of basketball, so I so it was a really weird, awkward time. Now, one thing that was hugely important was there was a uh, an intern in place, and the intern had been holding down the job pretty much most of the fall. That was Mark wow. Albanese. Mark is uh, still he's the uh, SID at Pacific Lutheran, um, and Mark was fresh out of college, and but Mark did a did a fantastic job just holding down the fort you know, for a month and a half or so while they were hiring. Um, And when I got there, um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't in a spot where I felt like I had the knowledge and the ability to just start making wholesale changes, but I knew that there was the way some things were run were different than how I'd like to see them run. Um, And so, uh, you know, one thing that was, I, I can recall um you know one thing I did early on was I went through our website um Edgewood was one of the early adopters with a third party website back when most schools still had their own okay. um it was't it was through a company mm-hmm. called American Eagle, which still exists but doesn't really do college websites anymore um and uh um and one thing I did was I went through the website and I just made a whole list of stuff that I thought needed to be changed and needed to be better look better and uh And I handed that to Mark and I said, Mark, can you, you know, this is the kind of stuff I'd like to change on the website. Like, how do we get started? And he's like, Oh, this is great. This is like a lot of stuff that I want to change, but I didn't feel like I could just being the, just being an intern. And so we got to, so together we got to jump right on that and, and start making those changes. Um, you know, I think the biggest impact I made right away at Edgewood was with that website um, with American Eagle, uh, the cost of it was extremely high, uh, $20,000. It, it was, it was somewhere, it was somewhere there, 20,000 a year. Wow. And I, w- I was familiar with Sidearm, which Sidearm was still a pretty new company at the time. Um, you know, maybe 50 to 60, 50, 60, uh, customers. Um, and I reached out to Sidearm and said, I know this can be done better. Show me. And, uh, wow and with sidearm i was able you know get a website at a fat you know about a quarter of the cost and that was that was pretty big being new because i was like in one of my first mm-hmm. meetings with our athletic director i sat down and said hey i can give us a better website that's more efficient for me and looks better to people and it's going to cost us 25 percent of what it costs now and he didn't think I, he, he didn't think i could do it frankly he thought that wasn't realistic and uh and sure enough, you know, in a few months, it, by the end of that first year, we had signed a sidearm contract and started turning over the website. And so, from that point, it was it was great for my budget too, because now I had I had a big chunk of money sure in my enough, budget yeah. that I wasn't using on the website, and I could start to allot to other places. So that was that was a, a big moment as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: You mentioned that when you first got to your job, you, you wanted to change a few things, but you feel like some places you couldn't, even the intern felt like that he, that he couldn't, um, what did you, what would you kind of say to somebody who is now getting into a new role? Because that's starting to come up here this this summer, maybe even July, August is when people will start to see some new faces, new websites, new everything. So what is your kind of system in place? What is your kind of policy? What would you suggest to those SIDs who are starting new, starting fresh, and maybe there are some things that they can change, um, what would some guidelines you would say to be, because you don't want to come in and change everything right off the bat. Yeah. Right?
1: I think it depends on if you're hired in the, in the summer or if you're hired mid season, if you're hired mid season, I think by default, there's only so much you can do because some of these processes are already going on. And, you know, you, you, even if there's, even if there's a, if there's a weekly thing that you're not crazy about, it, it, it's hard to just cut it off in the middle. Um, and so that, so I think that's a difference. Now if it's in the summer. I think it's, it's a, it's a little different situation. If it's a summer and you're the head SAD, I think you can certainly take a, a look at what's going on. At I really think at that point, it becomes a matter of what can I handle in my first year? Like mm-hmm. I may have 10 things I want to change, but trying to change all 10 of these things at once might, might kill me. Um, so what's the most important, what you know maybe these 3 items we can make a change and an adjustment right now and the rest of this stuff we're going to get to but we can't it's it's too it's too labor intensive it's too challenging it's too difficult to change this all at once and so i think really you know pinpointing the the one or two things that you can change that that makes makes a noticeable difference and a noticeable improvement for people so that they can see that it's this is a little that we're going to start doing things a little differently um, but again, not overwhelming yourself by trying to, trying to rewrite the entire book in, in, in one sitting. What about, uh,
0: maybe a veteran ID? How often do you think that they should go through their system and practices to see what could be more efficient?
1: Uh, I think it has to be done every year. I don't think they can. Uh, I, I think that's what your, that's what your summertime is for. That's what your off time is for. I, I think it's, I think it has to be done. Um, I think it has to be done uh every year uh you know i i reached a point where i always felt that i reached a point eventually where i'm doing about everything i can as far as the time that i can allot to this and the effort that i can spend on this and when you reach that point it's a little refreshing because now you start to say okay if we're going to do something different or something extra or something more then something else has to give um and that's a really nice place to be because you can say, you know, you know, you know, we, we, we dove into video streaming at Edgeworth said, okay, if we're going to do video streaming, something else has to go because that's going to take time and effort. What here is yeah. not totally necessary or what is, what is rendered unnecessary because we're doing video streaming. And, uh, and so that's, um you know, that's, that becomes a key, a key piece of it. For us, it was the fact that when we added video streaming, we, we had, we used to do broadcast audio broadcast on the road and it wasn't the broadcasting. wasn't that expensive, but paying the broadcasters to be on the road and mileage and stuff was, yeah, it was expensive. So we said, if we're going to go to video casting, we're going to pull back. We're not going to send our broadcaster on the road anymore because enough other schools are doing some kind of broadcast where that we can link to, and it's not quite as important as it used to be. And so that was our, that, so making those kind of trade-offs. But it's always about making those trade-offs. Like, you can't just keep adding things forever. You have to try, at some point, you have to subtract as well.
0: That's fair. I think that's fair. I I mean, we kind of go through this. And now that I'm kind of leaving the USI department, but we went through this, the past couple of summers, uh, we tried to like, see what we really wanted to do, see what was working, even with stuff that like, we tried this uh, little video series. Mm-hmm. And then boy, it just was not going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just yeah. not getting any traction with our fans or anything. And, uh, we had to cut it out and we had to evolve to something different. And I mean, it kind of trial and error is, a, is another thing yeah. I think you kind of have to go through, right. but you really don't have any choice with some things like that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to go back and talk about something that you, that You mentioned earlier sure. that, uh, kind of personal for me, because I'm starting to find myself in this situation now that I've got a new job coming up. Um, you moved to a new spot, your wife found a job immediately, you were still kind of a little bit jobless as far as moving back to Madison, Mm -hmm. Um, Wisconsin, I'm in Madison, Indiana right now, actually. So it's kind of weird. And I kind of have to like distinguish in my mind. But um, what was life like for you kind of just without a job moving to a place and not having things up in the air? I mean, how tough was it for you?
1: Yeah, it was a challenge. I, um, you know, my wife and I, actually, we were uh, separate for about a month because she, she moved down to Madison. She moved down to Madison or actually we sold our house in the Minnesota and we had about a month. We had about a three week gap before we could move into our new house. So my wife was living, uh, on her with her, with her, with her parents and with our kids. Um, since I didn't have a job, it, it seemed to make more sense for me to i i crashed with my sister for a couple of weeks and finished and kept working at my current job in the Twin Cities rather than drop that and have rather than drop that and have you know two to three weeks with no income whatsoever. It made more sense for me to stay at my job and then when when my wife started her new job, then I would come down. So it was a couple of weeks away uh, away away from. Uh, from the kids when I got to Madison and I started job hunting. Yeah. It was a challenge. Um, you know, I, I felt you, uh, you, you have that, you know, you have that need to feel like you're pulling your own weight in your family and exactly. for a while you don't feel like you're pulling your own weight. Um, you know, I had a, you know, couple job interviews here and there, and and they were things that I think I things, things I could have done well and I could have been okay at, they weren't necessarily the things I was going to love. Um, but you know, mm. when you need a job, you're, you're, uh, you, you get a lot less picky. Um, but, uh, you know, and there are a couple that, uh, you know, a couple that, that worked out well. And so when, um, I, I was actually, I, I, you know, at some, there also comes a point where you're like, I haven't found my career yet, but. I need a job of some kind. And so I was, uh, I was in the app uh, at applied. I was going to work at target. I was going to pick up some hours there, tr- you know, something to, to pay some bills. Um, and, uh, certainly wasn't planning on making a career out of target retail, but, but, uh, I right. needed something to, to pay some bills. And, um, and that's, I was, I was fortunate. That's right. When Edgewood college, Edgewood college's job opened. And, uh, and edward college saved me from the nightmare of red and khaki so that was so i traded it for red and black i guess <laughs> yeah that's true um
0: what was it like mentally to kind of think i mean you were still kind of going through job process like you said and and mm-hmm. there was some stuff that you wouldn't enjoy you want to do something that you love but you still need a job what was that like right. mentally to kind of say to yourself okay i might have to work at target
1: yeah it's okay i mean when you're with your when it's when it's for your family it's like yeah it's like You know, you know, we still got to, we had my kids at that time were my kids at that time were four and one. So, I mean, it was, I mean, they're little like, so we need, you know, we, we, we've got to do that. Um, Certainly, certainly easier that my wife has a, you know, had a solid, you know, stable, reliable job with a decent salary. But, uh, but still uh, we were going to struggle. We were going to, you know we're going to live on pretty thin margins with one salary. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it it can, it, it weighs on you. Um, you know, it, you feel some, you feel some responsibility to, to try to, um, to, you know, you want to be a, you want to be an equal partner in that relationship and in that family. And, and, uh, you don't always feel like an equal partner.
0: Moving a little bit forward with, the job hunting process, how how would you suggest spouses, yeah. um, significant others communicate with
1: each other to kind of align those family goals? Um, it's I, I, I think that communication just has to be ongoing and constant. It can't you know, I, I think it's more difficult when, you know, if all at once you show up and you, and, and you tell your, your, your significant other, Hey, I'm not happy. And I really need to get out of this. If, if that comes as a surprise, that's going to be difficult. Um, you know, I, I think that's a conversation that has to always be coming, you know, and if you're, if you're able to talk to your, to your spouse and say, and say, you know, I, it, this is good for now, but I really think two to three years down the road, I'm going to really need to look for something else. I think that starts that process earlier. I think it's it's certainly easier to have that conversation when you do have a job, uh, and and not when it if it if it ends suddenly or if it ends you know against your wishes. That's of course a lot uh, yeah. a much more difficult um, situation. But I I just think that open that open communication is is, is so hard. You know, I I joke with people because I, I was on the road so much when I was coaching that one of the things. One of the things that appealed to me about sports information, especially at Division 3, was even though it's a lot of nights and a lot of weekends, at least I'm always in my own bed. I don't travel a whole lot. I only travel when I want to. uh, And that was that was a big difference. So I was, I I was joking with people. I I, like, I'm the only person who got into sports information to have more time with my family and not less because, because (laughs) that, that coaching grind and, and, you know, driving to every little high school gym in in a three state area for, you know, every night of the week was, was really hard to take after a while.
0: Yeah. I, I would say so. Couldn't imagine. I did broadcasting there for a little while. And uh, yeah, I had to kind of go to. There's this little tiny school called Gibson Southern um, in Fort Branch, Indiana. Drove on, I think, two or three gravel roads before I got there, and I was like, "What am I doing? Where am I?" Yeah. <laughs> but that was
1: that was the life, you know. You kind of had to do what you had to do. Um, that was that was kind of similar to like my big moment when I realized that coaching was just not going to cut it. Was uh, about. Uh, close to my last year at point and I had a I had a little 2-year-old now and uh I drove to I drove late night 3 hours away to see a high school game to, to see this recruit and that I hadn't seen before but I had heard good things and I hoped that she was going to be good well about 3 minutes into the game I knew this kid was not good enough to play for us she just she wasn't going to measure up but the, she knew I was coming I can't just walk out of the gym so I sat there for two hours and watched a high school game and it was fine. And after the game, I, you know, said hello and said my pleasantries, but deep down, I knew we're not recruiting this kid. I go work out. And on my way home, I was just so angry and frustrated because I had in my mind and I wasn't, <laughs> I was so angry, and frustrated. And I wasn't, I wasn't angry because, you know, she didn't have a very good left hand it didn't shoot it very well. I was angry and frustrated because I felt like I had given away a whole night with my family for nothing. And uh, and, that was, and that was really, once, I, once that happened, what, you know, that happens to every coach. Your kid doesn't pan out the way you think they do. In the past, it never really bothered me. Just, oh, well, on to the next night. Um, but when I realized, on my way home, it really started to bother me. It really started to see how angry I was about it. And that was probably the point when I realized I probably can't keep doing this anymore.
0: It's, kind of, it's almost described like a breaking point. I mean, what was it like kind of moving yeah. on in your job
1: after that? Uh, it was hard. And, and honestly, my last year at point, I don't think I was a very good coach. Um, I, I thought I had, I thought my, my, you know, my first six to seven years at point, I did a really nice, I thought I did a really nice job coaching and, 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 uh, and, um, and recruiting and my last year, I don't think I did a very good job. And, uh, and I think that I I think that's probably evident.
0: I'm just asking this just as a general, maybe show of good faith and maybe building relationships here a little bit, how can SIDs I don't know. Help, I guess, in the way. I mean, just someone to talk to, I guess, when coaches are going through that. Because I mean,
1: you're, I'm sure you're not the only coach out there who has had those thoughts, right? Yeah, for sure. No, I think the, uh, you know, I, I think that SID, um, I, I think it's hard. I, I think a large, there's a large number of SIDs that are somewhat introverted by nature, um, mm. and I think that's, I think that can be a challenge. Uh, for those SIDs, they re- it's, you really do need to get out of your offices. You need to, you know, I know you don't have a lot of time, but you need to take some time and have lunch with coaches. You need to have those conversations. You need to let them know what you're going through. You need to let them tell you what they're going through. Um, I, I think that becomes really important, and that's how you build that cohesive um, athletic department. I think when you do that, you start to those coach SID conflicts that sometimes arise uh, or the coach demands certain things of their SID that maybe aren't reasonable or aren't realistic. I think those conversations become a whole lot easier when you have that established relationship and that established connection. I think if you, if you sit in your office and the only time you talk to your coach is when your coach hunts you down because they're upset about something. I think that's a hard relationship to Uh have. When at that, at that point, all your communications are over conflict and that's, uh, and that doesn't, that's, that's not going to, it's, it's not going to make you very happy for one. And it's, it's going to, it's just, it, it's a hard way to have a relationship with a coworker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Probably not a healthy relationship either. Um, I want to move on a, a little bit here. So you're, you're, you're away from Edgewood now. I know you're wearing an Edgewood sweatshirt, but you're, <laughs> yeah. you're away from Edgewood right now. So you, you've got a new gig. Uh, how did that come about? what was the discussion
1: i mean spare no detail (laughs) so in uh so in in may of last year is when genius sports and the nca announced their uh agreement 10-year agreement where genius sports was going to develop a new uh new suite of statistics software uh to uh, for nca schools i um i was excited about it uh i love the statistics side of of being an sid um Uh, I like, I, I I liked, you know, stack crew and the current software and I, and I was proficient, very proficient at it. Um, but I knew that, that, you know, we, there's probably a better way. There's probably a better way than what, than what we've been doing. And so I was excited to see this possibility. Uh, I reached out to genius through a generic email and, and really all I reached out to them about was being a, a beta tester. I reached out and said, "Hey, I imagine you're going to need some SID types to look at your software and test it out and give you feedback. I'd love to do that." Um, and so I, uh, and then, kind of to my surprise, a few, a, a day or so later, I got a phone call from uh, their, from Genius's talent acquisition uh, department. Their rec- their recruiters, and uh, he said, he said, "Would you send me a resume?" I said, "Okay." So I sent him a resume. And he said, I think you'd be a good fit for this particular job. It was project manager. Um, as I read the job description, about half of the job was, half the job was kind of being the forward face of the the new products and, and speaking to people and, and gaining, you know, uh, uh, gaining support. And, and I thought, oh, I can do that mm-hmm. job, half of the job well. The other half was very technical. The other half is, organizing the programmers, keeping things on a timeline, um, doing that. And I thought, and I looked at that and I said, I don't really know how to do that. That's not really in my, my wheelhouse, but the recruiter was like, ah, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And I was like, well, okay, if you think I can do this. So I got on my first interview for the phone interview for the project manager job. And it took this, that person all of five minutes to go, you don't really have any project manager experience, manager experience, do you? I said, no, I tried to tell them I don't. <laughs> and uh, he was like, okay, okay. He goes, well, he goes, I don't think you're a fit for this job, but we're going to keep you in the loop and we're going to, uh, uh, we'll keep you in the loop and we'll keep everything on file. And I kind of thought it died there. Um, that was kind of the moment I was like, well, uh-huh. it died, but but i I tend to agree with them. I'm not totally qualified for that job. Um, I'm only about half qualified uh-huh. um, then uh, the Kaida convention came up in um uh, in d c and uh and so I, I I met some of the the genius staff there and uh and I asked them about you know potential uh potential jobs potential positions that they might be creating that they might need. And uh, Matthew Cowling, who is a director of product innovation uh, said, yeah, let's meet over breakfast. So we met one morning, um, talked about the job, talked about what jobs might be coming up, what I might be suited for. um, And, uh, and he said, he said, well, I don't, you know, with your experience, you really look like you fit in support so that you can speak the SID's language and communicate to them about, the new software and, and how to use it and how it and how to translate the new software for SIDs, and I said that sounds great. That sounds like what yeah. I I would really like to do, um, and uh, but they didn't have a job posted at the time. They were still hiring uh, the head of support who for this job, which that person is currently my 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 boss. Um, and then about uh, uh, probably about July or August, um, they finally po- they finally posted a job for uh, Support and Implementation Manager for the NCAA project. Uh, and uh, put my application in, uh, I called back that recruiter who set me up for the other job. And I, I you know, checked in with, with Matthew Cowling again, and um, it, uh, uh, it went from there. And it ended up being a, uh, a phone interview followed by a face-to-face interview And then uh, uh, Labor Day weekend is when I was was offered the job and uh, decided that, yeah, this was this was the move I wanted to make uh, right now. And so two weeks, two weeks after that, uh, I was I was uh, uh, on my uh, on my first call. And 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 genius has been great. Uh, I work from home. Uh, so we set up a office space in my home and, uh, and they provided mm-hmm. me the equipment I needed and, and, and got me connected. So that, that, that part's worked out real well. So we all
0: just got done with the, um, inaugural year, I guess you would say of using genius for just basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I think it's great. I like it a lot. I and I think, too. um, yeah, <laughs> obviously, um, I th- we were also because we were hosting the Elite Eight, we were also one of the yep. early testers of it, yep. I- I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. so just sum it up, how do you think it went? I mean, what was the kind of reception
1: you received, obviously, yeah. during this first year? Uh, from our standpoint, I think it went sp- fantastic. Uh, um, I really, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's SIDs are, SIDs are a tough bunch, we're uh, uh we're skeptical, yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't we don't like to change, or at least we don't like to, uh, change unless we've, were are given strong foundation for why we should change. Um, and so that's a, that's a lot of what we tried to do. Um, you know, I think we were realistic in that, listen, like a hundred percent of the schools are not going to turn around in the first year and, and adopt our software and that's okay. Um, you know, we don't, you know, in, in some ways we don't want to force people into our software if they're not ready for it. Particularly when you talk at division two and division three levels where it could just be a one person operation. You could be short staff, things like that. You know, we wanted to, um, you know, we wanted people to come to us because they wanted to come to us. Um, you know, we have other people, our adoption team, you know, they go out and they evangelize a little more and they try to sell people on our, sell people on the product and that's all great too. But really I wanted people to use the software because they wanted it. Um, And I think for the most part that worked out real well. Um, You know, you're always going to have, you know, a a software product is never, it's never really a final. Uh, There's never really a final. There's always going to be updates. There's always going to be changes. There's always going to be things that come up that aren't expected. You know, you look at a, you look at a well-defined product Mm -hmm. like Adobe Photoshop. You know, th- that still gets updated all the time. And there's always glitch- little glitches and bugs in it as found, even though by anyone's measure, Adobe Photoshop is an incredible piece of software. And that's, uh, and that's what we want to get to yeah. t- to as well, where, you know, everyone can see, you know, this is, this is a really powerful, incredible piece of software. That's really going to make SIDs lives easier um yeah there's going to be a learning curve you're going to have to figure some stuff out you're going to have to break some old habits but i i think uh i think as people used it and and uh got into their first game and into their second game they kind of they started to see how this how it all fits together and and how it works and i think that was that was fun to see
0: yeah it was definitely uh it it was nice to finally be able to get through a game and see the big picture of it you know Mm -hmm. uh that that was a lot i mean Obviously, learning a new software is always going to be rough. I, I mean, sure. I learned a new software working for a minor league baseball team. I don't think I ever got it, but I think after Genius, a couple of games, maybe a handful of games, just doing yeah. it on a practice computer because we have two computers that we stat on, uh, mm-hmm. boom, picked it right up. And I, I was, yeah. I don't know. I, I felt really good because me and the other GA were the first class that my bosses didn't have to teach stat crew to. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Uh, and I think there is, you know, I, some people have told us that you know, some longtime SADs that said, hey, this has been a challenge for me to learn because I have some of these old habits that I'm struggling mm-hmm. to break. But man, my student workers and my GAs and my interns picked it up in no time. And there there is something to that because, you know, NCA Live Stats looks like a, a modern piece of software. It looks like your iPhone. It looks like software that, um that, you know, people are used to, that people have seen, Mm, whereas some other softwares don't always look, they don't always look quite quite so modern. So they're a little, they feel a little more foreign. And that's, so that's been, that's been important as well. And, and I think that's, that's something that has benefited some SIDs. They've said, you know, I was always attached to the computer because it was so hard to teach other people to use, use it. Now, it's really easy to teach them to use it. I can get away from the computer, take care of some of my other duties and know that the statistics will be okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let, let's, I want to ask this question for just this basketball program, particularly before yeah. I ask my last one. Um, sure. We just talked a little bit about how Photoshop, or like, at least you talked about. Sure. Um, everybody thinks it's the perfect program, but there's always some bugs. There's always some <laughs> things that could be improved upon. I mean, what are some things that you guys have in mind for the basketball program um, that, you think might be improved or changed upon for
1: the upcoming year? Um, well, certainly the the one thing that needs to be improved is uh, editing of substitutions. Um, that was, uh, you know, that's of course this NCA live stats is derived from FIBA live stats. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think what we discovered in, uh, in, in, you know, creating the software is, the FIBA scorekeepers are generally less concerned with minutes and less concerned with um, uh, you know little variations in playing time like that. NCA SIDs tend to be very concerned with those. Um, and so one thing that, that, that happened was, uh, I think the software ended up being a little too inflexible as far as editing when you made it, when you had a, a mistake in your lineup uh so when you um if you didn't have, if you if you were always perfect in your lineups you didn't have any problems but if you did make a mistake in your lineup and had to change that after the fact uh it it was a challenge and i so that's something that's definitely it's being well it's being worked on as we speak, um, but that's gonna that's gonna be different. We're gonna have a more flexible uh, way to to fix some of that uh, some of those sub edits and, and and changes. That's that's as far as in the software. That's certainly the one. Uh, and then mm-hmm. the other additions is the the um, you know the, N, the 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 NSCM the NCA School and Conference Manager. Uh, you know that was built from ground up in, you know it's only it's really only nine months old, 10 months old as it is right now. Uh, you'll see some changes in there uh, related to custom minimums and historical data, uh, things like that. And uh, and that's got, um, it's got a little longer way to go uh, again because it wasn't, it was built from scratch. It mm-hmm. didn't come from, it didn't come from, uh, you know another program the way, N- the way NCA live stats did. Um, but, uh, but that's really gonna be, you know, the, that's going to be a powerful tool. Uh, and the pieces are coming together. And, and when I think like an SID, I always want it to come together faster, but, but I know, but I know just, you know, how software Uh works and it, it takes time. You have to make sure you have things right. You can't rush stuff out without proper testing and without making sure fixing a doesn't break B. And that's, and that's, that's a big part of, that's a big part of software development as I'm learning, um and uh and some of those processes just can't be rushed along
0: okay well awesome glad to hear it looking forward to it i'm Mm -hmm. sure a lot of people out there are looking forward to it uh working with the new software and speaking of new stuff um yeah some soccer some volleyball coming up Uh, i mean you want to talk about what we got
1: coming up here for a new software as far as genius is concerned sure um so coming out uh in coming up for uh, in advance of this fall is going to be NCAA Live Stats for Soccer and NCAA Live Stats for Volleyball. Um, the schedule right now, they're gonna be, both will be demoed at the COSIDA convention and ECAC CIDA. Um, I'll be at ECAC CIDA, I won't be at COSIDA this year, um, but, uh, but they'll be demonstrated there. And then the, re- the uh, release date uh, is uh, July 1. Uh, if there's a chance that we can release it earlier, I think we'll probably want to do that. Um, but release release will be July 1. Uh, after, the, after the holiday, after the 4th of July, July 8th, that's when uh, our webinars begin. And I'll be conducting those. We'll have um, eight weeks of webinars. Uh, there'll be a soccer webinar and a volleyball webinar each week. Uh, and we, we, we vary the, we don't just put them all on Tuesdays or all on Thursdays because we want to give people a variety of, you know, so we, we switch uh. up the days, we switch up morning and afternoon, trying to give everyone the, you know, the best possible odds of finding one that works for them. Um, some people seem to register for all of them in advance, just, just in case, I guess. Uh, and that's fine, but, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll run people through those webinars, um, there and then we'll be ready to go uh in the uh we're ready to go for the for the new season um the uh a lot of people want to talk about the volleyball program um uh because volleyball can be a challenging sport to stat it's fast and there's no doubt it's fast um i think the product that you're gonna see you know displayed at Cosida uh, is um it's going to be impressive. It's it's different than it's different than what we've done, no doubt. Uh, the basketball program was also different than what we've done. Um, it's uh, I get asked all the time: Is there going to be keystroke? There's not going to be keystroke. It's going to be touch screen or mouse click. Uh, but I can tell you, it's going to be faster. Uh, and I know that some people some people are going to hear that and not believe me. Um, but you're really gonna to need to see it yourself. Uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, we are trading. If you talk about you know three contacts on one side of the net, you're talking about nine keystrokes. In a lot of ways, we're trading nine keystrokes for three clicks. Um, we're also eliminating a bunch of things that you used to have to enter that you don't anymore. There's no need to enter a continue. There's no need to enter an over those aren't statistically relevant. So we took them out. You don't have to enter it. Uh, And there'll be a learning curve because you'll figure out how to handle those situations. Um, But uh, I I think it's really going to be, I I think the schools that try it and, and, and go with it, I think are going to be really pleasantly surprised with it and probably surprised how easy it is. Um, Soccer, uh, soccer, we're uh, I've, I've, we we don't we're still working with a, a FIBA version of soccer right now that I've been playing and testing with. Um, you know, soccer is going to be uh, the best part about soccer is it's going to collect more data. Um, whereas you know, one of the one of the things with the with soccer the way soccer's been that I never particularly cared for was your soccer life stats. Soccer life stats are boring because it's very conceivable to go 10 minutes and never enter an action in soccer. Um, Because that can, Mm -hmm. that can happen. That can happen. Um, And then, and and literally I've gotten, you know, Mm -hmm. most SEDs have, you get a, you get a text in the press box that says, Oh my gosh, are the live stats stuck? And you're like, no, just nothing, nothing has happened in the last 10 minutes and the clock hasn't moved. Um, What we're going to have, we're going to have, more data to collect. We're uh, As far as fouls, we're going to have more data to collect about who's in possession of the ball, uh, what area of the field is the ball in, and that can all be turned around into data for stories and coaches. We can talk about, you know, Team A was in possession 65% versus Team B's 35%. We can talk about Team A spent 48% of the game in uh in the attacking half of the field we can we can have that kind of data and that kind of stuff available uh and because we're entering more data your live stats run more smoothly run more efficiently and uh and i, th- I think you're going to see some of the, the third-party providers sidearm and whoever build out some really interesting soccer uh game centers
0: Perfect. Sounds good. And we can't wait to have you on next year so that you can talk about some new stuff you guys got coming on uh, in yeah. 2020. So um, yeah. I'd like to move on. This all sounds great. Looking forward to it. So it's kind of sum it all up for you guys. Demo for volleyball and soccer will be at side this year. That's right. And some webinars are coming up and then you guys will be ready to roll in the summer
1: Yeah. or what? July 1 ish. Yeah. Public release are on July 1 and public and uh, training webinars. You can already register for those on the NSCM. Uh, you can register for those training seminars, uh, training webinars. Uh, they begin on July 8th and they'll run through July and August. Perfect. Sounds good. So
0: guys, be sure to sign up. Um, David, I'd like to move so, to some fun questions. I right. like to ask people, does that sound sure. okay with you? Um, in your entire SID career, uh, what's your
1: favorite memory? Ah, oh, my favorite memory. Um, gosh, probably, uh, um, Probably, you know, we won a, uh, you know, we, did, we didn't have a, a ton of national success at Edgewood College, but we had some really nice conference wins. Um, but one NCA tournament win we had was uh, 2012, our men's basketball team uh, won the conference title at home uh, in front of a packed gym, which in Edgewood's tiny little gym is only about 600 people, but it was packed and it was loud. Uh, so we won, uh, won a conference title there and then made the NCAA tournament and we played, uh, at, at river falls and river falls was ranked and they were hosting and, uh, and, and, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to do the old, nobody gave us a chance, but nobody gave us a chance. Um, and, uh, and we went into, you know, uh, a, a very, uh, a small gym with a very loud student section uh and and our guys really just played the games of their lives and they played fantastic um and uh we we opened up a big lead and you know the the, the I think the 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 fun thing that happened was um Pat Coleman from D3 hoops was there uh and cuz it was close to where to to his home and he, he as late in the first half we started to open up a lead he started to tweet about, Ooh, possible upset happening, you know, and he kept coming down and sharing with me the viewer numbers on the webcast. And he'd be like, Oh, we were at 300. And then he'd say, Oh, we're at 700. Oh, we're at 1200. And as our, as our lead got bigger and bigger, the viewership got bigger and bigger. Uh Um, And so that was, that was kind of fun. And that was kind of exciting. Uh, Yeah. So that I I would say that was, that was a huge moment. We won that game Uh, the next night we played uh, Wheaton college who I can't remember the player's name anymore, but he, he hit every shot from every spot on the floor he could imagine. And and they beat us, but it was still a, it was a, it was, it was great. It was our first NCAA tournament win in men's basketball. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that with me. What about on the other side, what's your biggest horror story? Oh man, my biggest horror story, you know, uh, it was probably my first year at Edgewood in baseball. Uh, and, um, And, uh, we, we, we didn't have, we, we, at at that time with baseball, we, uh, we not have a press box. And so we weren't doing any kind of broadcast at all. It was, it was very bare bones. Um, but I was, uh, I was on campus and our baseball field's about 20 minutes away. And I was, I was getting ready to leave, to go to the baseball field. I was going to be there about 90 minutes early. And I got a call from, uh, my daughter's preschool and, um, and they said she's got a high fever. I said okay. Mm-hmm. And they said we've called the ambulance. And uh, you oh. know, a few a few things will a few things will get your attention faster than we've called the ambulance. Um, and so I uh, I said I'll be there. And so that was that was about twenty minutes in the other direction. And so I uh, I jumped in the car and started driving. And while I'm in the car, I'm calling uh our our head baseball coach is also our athletic director and i said i said uh they called the ambulance for my daughter i'm going to her preschool and i don't know if i'm going to be at your game sorry and uh um yeah and it was (laughs) i don't know why i'm getting emotional but it, it was it wasn't it turned out to be nothing she had a high fever it spiked they were worried they called as a precaution it was all good but um the big thing was so after i took care of my daughter and my wife was there after everything was okay i drove back to the baseball field we were in the third inning and you know they um you know they grabbed they grabbed uh, they grabbed a dad from the audi- from the crowd one of the players dads who knew how to keep a scorebook and kept a scorebook and i sat down next to him and i looked over his shoulder and i caught up on the game and everything's fine and i think that was a big it was stressful at the time, but it was a big moment that said, you know what? It's not life and death. Like we'll catch up on the stats. We'll figure that out. It won't be that big of a deal, you know, but that was, I think that was, that was one of the hardest moments, but also one of the best lessons I had. Like, like if something breaks, if something's not right, we're going to be okay. Like, you know, computer shuts down and we have to write the game. Like it sucks, but it's going to be fine. Like this isn't, you know, Uh, My wife would remind me at different times, like, like, you're not doing open heart surgery. Okay. You're keeping stats at a game. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not. And I, and I, so I think that was a, I think that was a big, that was a big lesson to learn through that experience that, you know, things are going to get done and people will back you up. You know, my, my my coach didn't worry about it. That wasn't going to yeah. be there. He just found someone and handed him a scorebook and everything's okay.
0: Yeah. I'm sure uh, half the
1: people in the audience are taking their own scorebook anyway, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure, my dad, I'm sure they're telling me my stats are wrong. They probably thought the guy who did the first three innings was better. So.
0: <laughs> um, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession?
1: Um, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm interested to see, you know, I'm interested to see how far, how far we can go? Uh, as far as um, I, I really want to lighten the load on a lot of SIDs, um, you know, it's yeah. it's a little unrealistic that you have to be an expert at statistics, an expert at graphics, an expert at video production. It, it's a little it, it's a little unrealistic that you have to not only know all these areas, but you have to be you know proficient or even better than proficient at them. Um, and so, you know, and I think that's one thing with, that I try to keep in mind when we're talking about, you know, NCA livestat software and stuff like that is one question that we come back to a lot is, you know, what makes this easier for the SID? Um, and, and how can we, how can we make more efficient, more streamlined processes so that the SID doesn't have to worry quite so much about this area of their job? Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that we're, that's. That's the kind of thing that drives some of our innovation and, and what we're what we're trying to do.
0: Going back to the SID a little bit, um, in your mind, what traits
1: or characteristics make a good SID? Man, it, you know, it's there's so many different ways to be a good SID. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't. There's any one thing that's perfect. For oh, me. Yeah, I think yeah. you do it. I think, um, I, I, I think you do have to be incredibly flexible um uh which is a challenge for a lot of people i think you have to be really honest with yourself about what you do and true and be honest that it's important um but it's it's again it's games and it's not life and death you know uh i think it's you know so i i think (laughs) You know, the 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 main focus of being an SID is communication, like everything you do kind of centers around communication in one way or another. Um, but, and most SIDs I think are good communicators, but some SIDs struggle with communication, uh, which is kind of ironic. Uh, so I, I really think, you know, if I was gonna put it to one, you have to be a great communicator. Um, and really by being a great communicator, you have to be able to listen. It can't always be your way or, you know, your way or the highway, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to tell people to go to hell and, and, you know, and, uh, and do it the way you want to do it, but it's not realistic to, to to operate that way. So you have to be able to, you have to be able to, to, to communicate and listen. I, I really think those are, I think those are the best qualities that an SID can, can possess.
0: Perfect. So, so you're still in the Madison area right now, correct?
1: Right. Uh, All yeah, right. Uh, I'm a i am I work in a little town in the outside of Madison and so I'm I I'm I'm technically part of the I'm part of the Chicago office of Genius Sports uh, oh, okay. which is actually just a branch of the LA office. Um so technically my technically I'm working out of Los Angeles remotely from Chicago in in Wisconsin. Perfect. Well, the next sense. time someone <laughs>
0: Yeah, next time someone is in uh, LA, a.k.a. Madison Wisconsin yeah. Chicago,
1: um what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh, in Madison, uh, you have to go to the, uh, the old fashioned, uh, it's on Capitol square. Uh, it is, it is the quintessential Wisconsin, uh, restaurant, um, uh, the old fashioned, old fashioned is a popular drink here, uh, uh, in Wisconsin and, uh, go to the old fashioned and, um, man, order, order the walleye and the cheese curds. And that's, uh, that's, that's as Wisconsin of meals you're going to get. I think that's, uh that that's your that's your number one spot perfect sounds good um if anybody wanted to get in touch with you had any questions for you would be the best way to do it you bet um if you want to talk uh, if you want to talk directly to me uh it's david.petroff at geniusports.com. um if you really just have m- more general nca live stats uh or nscm or genius sports questions uh you should use our uh our uh, support team email that's uh NCAA support at genius sports.com. Uh, we have a team of frontline sport agents. Many SIDs have probably already spoken to them at some point or traded emails with them. And they're really good at what they do. Um, they're a little lonely right now since we're not in, a, in any active sports right now that we're yeah. covering. Uh, so they're doing a, they're doing a lot of back backend uh, uh, work for us. So they'd love to hear from you, but uh, yeah, those are the best ways to, those are always the best ways to reach us and, uh, and our, our, our direct phone number to our help desk 877-542-7282 I think I got that right it's been a couple months since I recited that <laughs> perfect well uh david
0: ben you've been suggesting to me for a long time and we're we're <laughs> a little late on getting to you on here but we're glad you came on all right thank you very much david no problem